Hey, quick note off the top. We had a few audio issues this month. Uh, Jason's audio didn't work. We had to pull the Zoom audio. I mean, no free ads. We had to pull the voice over internet protocol application audio off. Uh, so it doesn't sound quite as crisp and clear as our audio usually does. Sorry about that. Hopefully you can understand everything he says. And then secondly, my dog was stuck in my office with me because it was raining outside. So she wanted to desperately get out and play with my kids. And just she was making all sorts of noises and whimpering and her scratching and stuff. So all apologies. Besides those two things, should be a great episode. We had a great time. Hopefully you get a chance to play the game and get creeped out like we did. Uh, have a great month and we'll see you next month with our last game of the year. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's free movie. M-O-L-M-M. What? Feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. Please. All right. <laughs> Six hours later. Y'all done got digitally painted. <laughs> Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that's known for its love of death and horror. This week, we'll be taking a lovely jaunt down the deep, dark path of Little Nightmares 2, the sequel to last year's Mont's Halloween game, Little Nightmares. A story about the darkest and most terrifying things we can possibly imagine that have kept us from sleeping for nigh three weeks now. If we get out of this alive, it'll be all thanks to you, the listener. And, of course, to our Patreon supporters, mostly because of our Patreon supporters. I'm your host, Ben Helms, and back with us after gallivanting all over the British Isles and back again, the pop culture queen herself and our own little nightmare, Corgan Vaughn. Hello, governor. Beautiful. Wow. You picked up a little bit. I don't know if you could tell because you're on the East Coast, which is basically California's Britain. It's true. Yeah, that is. That's accurate. Uh, a little bit of an accent there I'm picking up. It's kind of that Carrie Fisher thing where it's like halfway in between. Like you can feel mm-hmm. the influence of her British uh, school years uh, on the Princess Leia character. She's very sophisticated. Yeah, I'm going for like a like a Madonna or maybe like a Gillian Anderson sort of yeah. situation. Sure, sure, sure. Here, so. Subtle, subtle. The trifecta. Very subtle. I get it. Mm. Three posters I had above my bed as a kid. <laughs> Is it too early for attention? Never. No, no, we haven't introduced you yet, stranger. Fantastic. Uh, you don't know who I am. Nope. But I have a very particular set of skills. Uh, they have to do with being confused a lot. And so uh, I was uh, I was with my kids a couple weeks ago. And uh, we were saying, you know, we can go over to the, the stables and pet a horsey at this park that we had stables there. And, uh, of course, I said, do you want to go over there and horse a pet? Because um, my mind just, you know, you're drunk me. most of the time. I'm mostly drunk. Mostly drunk. <laughs> um, we all laughed and kind of moved on, or, or everybody else moved on. And then I just locked in on this phrase, horse a pet, <laughs> as being like the perfect slang phrase that just <laughs> kind of takes on the character of whatever accent you're doing. It, does. it kind of does. Oh, it? bloody hell, Guff. Got a horse a right petty there, you are. <laughs> I do believe you horse a petty, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, you want to go down yes. to the Cumbies and horse a petty? Ben? Oh, please, I'm going to horse a petty. Yes! Yes! <laughs> horse. You always come over and horse a petty with me at a time. The loser always goes home and horses his petty. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's beautiful. It is. It's just so wonderful. A phrase. It makes no sense, and I had so much fun with it. So now I share that with you. I'm also. glad you did. I feel really Thank blessed you. by that. Horse and a petty. <laughs> uh, and of course, no month would be complete 
without our old lovable Mike Gundy man himself, Jason Helms. Thank you for that uh, weird anecdote. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, Come after me. He is. Um, you are 40, huh? Not him. I am 40. He's a kid. Get me. I'm 40. Fuck, dude. I'm very old. Uh, it's wild. Corey, Mike Gundy's a football coach, and he once got mad that people... Oh, I don't care. Okay. He's... Okay. We can say that to each other? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to save me so much time. This is going to be a real short episode. Here we go. <laughs> One time after a game, he told people not to critique his players and instead to critique him because he's 40. So I just yell out sometimes, I'm a man. I'm 40. Come after me. Because they're kids, Jason. He's a kid. They're kids. Did you guys watch Did you guys watch Ted La- the end of Ted Lasso? I haven't even watched the beginning. You haven't even watched the... I don't... He's not I, a pop culture queen, Corey. My brain short-circuited. I don't... I don't understand. Like... Because, listen, before this episode started, we had, like, a whole conversation about football of the American type. Um, and I just feel like, like, why would you be interested in the sports ball and not be watching the Ted Lassos? So, it's not that I'm disinterested. Mm. This, is, this is also the same speech that, that someone gave me about... Um, Scarlet Witch and Vision. What was that show called? Uh, WandaVision. WandaVision. And they were like, how dare you? (laughs) I thought you cared about comics and all things Marvel. What what is your deal here, sir? Justify yourself here. I also just have to make choices about what I get to watch at times. It doesn't all light up. But Ted Lasso is like the the only good choice in media in the world right now. (laughs) I'm not unconvinced. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone has told me it's wonderful. I can't wait to start. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Megan and I made the decision because we were going to get in on it. Summer, we said, you know what? The new season's coming out. Let's wait until the full second season is out. Then we'll get the Apple Plus uh, trial and crank and out two seasons. Just binge the whole thing. Boom, and then she moved to North Carolina. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so, that's a fair reason. Very excited. To. That's a fair reason. Listen, you should do, this is a delightful thing that uh, I do with my co-host who lives in the United Kingdom, watch over Zoom. Yeah, it's really nice. Where it's do you, a nice you point the cameras at your, each other's faces? So you're like, you have yeah. like, you're looking at Mark and you're looking at the screen, but you're I mean, muted we, or you're not muted? We just hit play at the same time and we While look at each other on Zoom. I mean, we don't look at each other, but we could if we wanted to sure and you're unmuted you, you can like so you can like yeah chat during it okay mm-hmm. yeah i've never done this it's it's honestly i recommend this as a thing it's a really good way to sort of keep connected i do this also with like Kristen and brie we watch band of brothers this way and stuff like that like you just turn it on <gasps> they're doing their lord of the rings days today lord of the rings days today i'm getting lots of texts i got one just now that i have not read yet from Fellowship of the Feast, which is a thing that uh, my friends from college do where they watch Lord of the Rings all day and they create a menu based on what is eaten throughout the film with timestamps. Oh, my God. They have T-shirts. I fucking hate Lord of the Rings, but my husband likes it. Uh, I blame myself for that. It it is (laughs) in large part your fault. Um, but my husband really likes it and he legitimately flew out there and it turned out he happily ended up having work out there at the same time. But regardless, he was, he flew out there, made a hotel reservation so that he could be there for this thing. He was there last year as well to 
be a part of this. So, or two years ago, I guess, not last year, but it's on my vision board. I'll make it there someday. I haven't even been. You should, Ben. I'm just going to show up one day dressed as a (laughs) hobbit. And they will welcome you with open arms. Yeah. It sounds miserable to me, but they're having such a good time and I enjoy the updates. I don't like watching things with people while I zoom. Oh, you've tried it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Because I like watching the thing. Oh. And I like talking to the person. Mm-hmm. I like, like I don't get to do either. Oh, interesting. Mm, I like problem. when people listen when I talk. <laughs> that's my thing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Well, I'm excited for you to eventually get to Ted Lasso. I'm excited for my family to come home in two weeks. Two weeks? Hey, two weeks. Wow. We can have now, November 4th. That's exciting. Wait, does that mean the ICUs are better in Fort Worth? It's tough to know. We don't have – so different counties um, make that – those uh, statements publicly or, or you know, put the data up yeah. and ours does not, but mm-hmm. we haven't had a story about it in over a month. And That's probably a good thing. Right. Yeah. No news is good news. As they say, could you just call the ICU and ask them? <sighs> I could talk to, I, I talked to the pediatrician there? about it. Um, They'd probably tell you be like, yeah. I haven't had a day off in a month or something. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's not good. Um, but it's not as bad as it was. The positivity rate dropped from 20 to 15 which is a lot better. It's not great, but it's not, yeah, it's better. North Carolina is at, at 8% and thinks that that's way too high, which they're right. That's good. Yeah. Uh, also, the idea that uh, our eldest is going to get vaccinated uh, in the month of See how things go, but should be happening pretty soon. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot more of that happening now, kids getting vaccinated, which is phenomenal because also kids are getting it at incredible rates. Mark's kid had it this past Mark's week. Um, oh, and I know when. What's everybody doing? He's he's fine now. He's totally cool. Yeah, it's no big deal. But I've seen that's like a big thing throughout the UK and I'm seeing it's being a thing here. Kids getting it because obviously they're unvaccinated and they're together all the time. So that is wonderful to hear that, you know, yours will be getting vaxxed soon. Yeah. And I am like, I, I talked about this on this week's Joag, but I... I'm like enthusiastic about the vaccination now because being in the UK, I mean, I always was because that's just my vibe and I get every vaccination, but being in the UK where there's like no restrictions on anything and I was around like a thousand or more people at a con and stuff like that, nobody masked, all that kind of stuff and tested on my way out of the UK, negative, all that kind of stuff after a week there. I'm like, God, this is so awesome. And like, honestly, there's a degree of me that just like pities people who refuse to sign on to this because now I feel like I have no fear, you know, like there's the general like, yeah, I might, you know, I I don't want to be willy nilly about it. I still wear my mask and things like that. But the feeling of that security in it is just really, really nice, you know? Yeah. And the breakthrough cases are they're happening, but, but they're, they're such a small percentage. Exactly. They're a small percentage, and it's better yeah. than... So mild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yes, exactly. The viral load's so much smaller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very glad to hear that they're they're coming back. That's just wonderful. Speaking of depressed children... Mm. Hey! Yeah. I, I feel like it's important to note at this moment that the person who invented the Segway died by driving the Segway off the cliff. No, it's not. He's the CEO. He bought it from the guy who invented it. The guy who invented it is still alive. Anyway, the game we're talking about this month eventually is Little Nightmares 2. It came out earlier this year, maybe even December last year, but uh, we all played it this month. We did. More or less. (laughs) Uh, And 
we I was hyped on this game from last year. I really, really enjoyed the first one. I don't we don't play a lot of horror games, although I talked a lot about Last of Us and Last of Us Two and me loving that game, which I guess is it's about zombies and lots of people die. <laughs> so it's horrorish. That's definitely horror-ish. That's I don't Okay, fine, it's a horror. That's not like a vague oh, that's horror adjacent. No, that's well, horror. Well it's not like I guess it is horror. I don't know. I think maybe because the story is better than Resident Evil, I'm like Oh yeah, Corey's got to look from Corey. <laughs> because it's good, it can't be horror. Story is different. You just see the death glare you just got from me. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that. We'll talk about a little development. Not a lot of info about that. Let's just do that right now. The same company that made Little Nightmares, Tarsier. Tarsier? Tarsier? Say it with confidence. Yeah. The same company that made Little Nightmares 1, Tarsier Studios in France, made Little Nightmares 2. They basically took a little break, kept making it, got a little bigger. It looks a little better. Uh, it's owned by, it was published by Bandai. Why did I say Bandai? Bandai Namco. <laughs> Bandai uh, Namco. You got overconfident and things got weird. <laughs> I did. Bandai Namco, <laughs> uh, as, as we all call it. And uh, yeah, it came out. It has uh, a lot of people worked on it. Uh, written by David Mervick. And composed by Tobias Lija. Those are the two people I pointed out because those are I read a bunch of articles with them too in it. So they seem to be kind of the point people, or at least like the most highly published people talking about the game when it was uh, coming out earlier this year. Because it's such a new game, I haven't read any. There's no like documentary on like the making mm-hmm. of. There's no like super in depth article. Uh, I think because they're just trying to avoid spoilers and stuff. And well, and also because clearly it's building off of the same exact stuff that came from the first game. So it's not like yeah. there's going to be like, same story. this yeah, is yeah. a wildly different development story than Little Nightmares 1. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we can just, we'll jump into gameplay. We'll do what's the drink, what's the song. We'll have a developer spotlight. We'll talk about what else we're playing and what we're playing next month. Let's get into it. Let's gameplay. do it. Let's do it. Uh, should we talk about our experiences playing? Just give a big picture before we do oh. No, I don't want to do that. Oh, I loved this game and I played the heck out of it. And if I could play it again, I would, which I guess I can. But if I had time to play it two times before this podcast, I would have. Uh, I finished it yesterday. Really enjoyed it. What did you play it on, Ben? PS5. PS5. What about you, Jason? Switch. It was the wrong choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Wrong choice. Like hard wrong choice. Hard wrong choice. It's 4K, too. They just came out with the PS5 version, I think, this summer. so it, it's 4K, I think it's 60 FPS. I don't know if it matters that much, but it's it was beautiful. And it sounded great and big speakers. And yeah. I'm really interested in Jason. I should have played it docked. Oh, so you played it handheld. Played it handheld. Yeah. should have oh, played God. it docked because it, it's a very dark game. Mm-hmm. And it did that thing at the beginning where it's like, brighten it up till you can barely see this thing. I was like, why? I want to fully see that thing. I don't yeah. want to not see it. I would like to see the game, please. I my, go three my steps brighter. Yeah, my constant struggle with brightness. Yeah. Yeah. You want to not be able to see this game. Why? To make it scary, I guess. But in the handheld yeah, mode, yeah. this is. I played it on Switch. I didn't love it in docked mode, but handheld mode, depth perception was impossible. Oh, yeah. Impossible. <laughs> yeah. I did find this game, uh, the depth perception in this game, because that was all of our biggest hangups on the first one. Mm-hmm. This one I found was a lot better. And this might be the biggest screen issue because it gives you a really shallow depth of field. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly where you are if you're lined up with a log or a pipe you're trying to jump to. It, it's, it was definitely a struggle at times in this game, but it was a lot easier than, um, or wasn't as bad as Little Nightmares 1, I guess. So it's a really pretty game, and I would have liked to see the dark mode for that. 
but also it was really difficult for me to read the screen and understand what was happening sometimes. There's a um, lot sometimes. Yeah, yeah. A lot going on and the switch screen just, it gets kind of muddy mm-hmm. and can't. So for example, uh, you know, one of the first places I got stuck is um, there, you, you play as this kid um, and there's another kid with you. Mono. Mono is the name of your, the protagonist. It is revealed, by the way, spoilers, here they come. Mm-hmm. In the second or third chapter, the top, that it. the second kid is six, the, the character from the first game. The yellow raincoat main character. Yeah. yeah. So so six, who you do not know yet is six, in one of the early puzzles, will give you a boost over a dresser. And this is really meant to be tutorial type stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. I plugged at that for 20 minutes. Mm. It's too long. Even after reading the, the walkthrough, it was like, what are you talking about? Hmm. Like, because it would just say, let let the other character help you over this thing. I was like, what thing? It's like the, the decayed desk. I was like, they all look like decayed desks. Everything uh, in this world right. is not a decayed the new desk. desk over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Okay. So finally I look and I see her. She's standing there. And I realize like, oh, she's not just standing there. She's actually, she's her holding her out, arms out. Yeah. Like to give me a boost. I was Crushed like, over, yeah. cool, I guess walk over to her and then press. Some, yep. Okay. That works. Yeah. Okay. Um, this was exactly my issue with this game was that I felt like, I actually wasn't terrible at solving the puzzles necessarily, which as you guys know from all the other games that we've played with puzzles, like I tend to not be super great at them. And so it takes me longer than everyone else to try to play these games because it's just my brain doesn't work that way. In this game, I felt like if I could see what was going on, I solved a puzzle very fast. Yeah. But the issue was that I could not see what was going on. And so, and then on top of that, I felt like in terms of controls, and I don't know if Jason, this is your experience with the switch too, but I've talked before about how my control, my controllers on my switch have like a good amount of drift and stuff like that. They don't work great. The way that these controls felt, I felt like a, you move extremely slow in this even when you run you're moving very slow and that sometimes it was like you're required to hold so many buttons to do something so for example there's a part in which you're supposed to run from one area grab something and swing to hit like this tv right and you're gonna kick that tv and it's gonna then your little thing is gonna like a lever or a yeah it's like a pulley you know it's gonna then lift you up as a result of it and the process of trying to hit that you know y button or whatever to run and grab the thing and jump and then make sure i only let go of the jump and i was still holding on to the grip in order to do that you know like with the fact that the controls weren't super precise for me meant that I just kept dying when I was like, I feel like I'm doing the right thing here. Yeah. And so it was like things that I felt I should have felt accomplished doing and just been able to move on between not being able to see the thing I was trying to get or there just being too many controls I was supposed to hit at the same time and all of that kind of stuff was me just running around for long periods of time when I shouldn't have or dying when I knew what I was doing and just my hands weren't dexterous enough. Well, it's, it's not just not dexterous enough. It was the controls, at least on switch were very mushy. 
Mm. That was exactly, I legitimately was like, I think this is what Ben talks about when he says mushy controls. Because now I get it. This game is mushy AF. It, I don't think it was on PS5. Mm. I bet you're right. Like, that makes sense. So, so okay. yeah, that might be the case. One of the first things you're supposed to do is jump over a very small gap, right? Mm-hmm. Just to show you how to run and jump. And if you die, there's a there's a short loading screen, and then you come back. The loading screen's about seven seconds long. Uh, that's another difference with the PS5. I bet it was instantaneous. It's pretty quick, yeah. And it was faster than Little Nightmares 1. Yeah, and that sure. doesn't matter all that much until you're on your fifth time trying to jump over this stupid little gap. Because... yeah. yeah not trying to jump at the right moment. You're trying to predict when it thinks the right moment. Exactly. You have to hit it. Yeah, that's, that's totally so it. Just a couple seconds early or a couple milliseconds early and it just never felt good. Such that I finally got the, the rhythm down and I was like jumping and grabbing on things kind of easily and even that didn't feel good because it didn't line up with my movements. It felt yes. like he was being like shouted through uh, a megaphone towards someone else to do the controls. Like it mm-hmm. just felt worse. So... I, the, the I did not have an issue with the timing of things that or I guess in that sense of like jumping the times that I had issues with timing I, the two most frustrating parts for me we just we always start with like the worst parts of games yeah of course it always <laughs> sounds like we hate things in the beginning of things and then it's like but actually here's why it's good but it was cool <laughs> here's this amazing social commentary or whatever yeah uh, was in so you start in the forest you get being chased by a hunter when you kill the hunter I thought that was a really oh, cool scene great. by the way because mm-hmm. there's very often you get to actually like destroy the enemy yeah. yeah. Although like I kept trying to jump game. back through the hole to see. I was like, I want to see I the know, dead hunter. I know. Let me I see want... that. And I was like, is it really not going to let me go back? But it was cool nonetheless. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, but just like firing the shotgun. But yeah. And then the second one is you're in the school where you have these little like marionette bullies mm-hmm. that are chasing you. That was really frustrating for me. There's just one section that kind of has a long loading, uh, a long spawn time, or mm-hmm. whatever that's called. A couple screens over where you have to pick up a hammer and smash like four or five of them. Yeah. And that timing for that was really hard, less because it was mushy, I thought, and more just because when you press the button and he, like, picks it up and then he throws it and you're trying to, like, align it in this, like, 2.5D depth of field world. And every time the bullies run up to you, they, like, run up to you, they pause and then they crouch before they jump on you. So it's just, like, working out the timing between all those things, which to me was like a mini game. It was less, like, super frustrating in the mushiness of that. Yeah, it's like that I can see as a... Like, that is fine to me. The idea that it's like, okay, I have to master the timing of this thing. Like, okay, totally fine. Uh, It was the fact that I felt like it almost felt arbitrary. Like, that my hitting of the buttons was just a roll of the dice. Where I would do the same thing multiple times. And then one time it would work. Right. You know, (laughs) like I didn't change anything. I did the exact same thing. And this time it finally worked. Cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you could beat this game with that because there there's after the school, the, the five levels, I guess are school, they're forest school hospital, which you have all these mannequins. There's a whole section, a couple sections of the game where you have to, you have a little flashlight and mm-hmm. then it's very Mario where you have to, yeah, it is. the light is, is shining on the mannequin. They don't move. Which is fine. You just shine it, and you can walk backwards and like, or walk forward and shine the light backwards and stuff until there's five mannequins around you, and there's one where there's like thirty mannequins in a room. <laughs> right. Like it's that was probably the most literally terrifying part of this game. Yeah. That was the only time I had to turn the game off because like, 
this is too scary. I'm gonna have to come <laughs> like I have to come back in three days because it was too much for me to handle emotionally. I would have snapped my switch in half. Yeah, and it was, it was yeah not only scary but it was really hard too. Yeah, exactly. So the, the pinpoint hard. precision for that would have been too tough on any mushy controls. And let me be uh, very clear: I don't like scary games. I hate scary games. Right. That on top of all of this is a good point to make. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like the vibe of this game. I think it's such a good job. Love the art. Love just the visual. Beautiful. Um, And I didn't find it to be all that scary. Mm. Not because I am so fearless, but because I was so frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote that in my notes. Legitimately. I said, I can't be scared and frustrated at the same time. (laughs) Those are, those are, so like it came to the point and it was at that flashlight point that I was like, I'm very over this. And I turned on a walkthrough yeah. instead yeah. and watched someone else do it. And then I was like, God, this is such a great, scary game. I love mm-hmm. watching this. I love the design of this game. It looks so good. These are so nightmarish. I mean, we talked about that yeah. the first time that we, the time we talked about the first game. Like, I mean, if you are talking about what a nightmare looks like, this game nails it just as much as the first one does. But the other thing that I thought about this was that I don't usually play the same game twice, right? Mm -hmm. Even the games I have loved the most that we've played on this, like Spirit Farer or things like that. I mean, I've played Yoku a bunch of times, things like that. There's rare exceptions. But I don't usually play a game more than once. And there isn't a huge amount of variation between this game and the first one. And so one of the problems I think I had with this was that this one takes a long time to get going. And I looked it up and it's like the gameplay is about two and a half hours longer than the first game. Oh, really? If you're playing it, you know, the way, like, if you're not like me... If it's two and a half hour longer, that probably means it's six hours longer for me. <laughs> um, but it, I felt that, that that yeah. first, like, you know, what took me five days to get through, I felt like I still hadn't even hit the scary part of the game because it was still teaching yeah. me how to play the game and there's not really like a ton going on. And once it gets going, it yeah. really gets going. Yeah. But it was very difficult to play this game with the same controls, with kind of the same vibe, all of that kind of stuff. And it takes so long to get to the point where you're like, oh, shit, this is like, this is terrifying. Yeah. But yeah, so that was my, that was my kind of issue with it as well, is that I think I love everything about the look of this game. And yeah. honestly, watching this, I'm like, make me a movie of this, you know, like yeah. watching someone play this as a walkthrough. I'm like, this is terrifying. And I love the art and the design. And as a horror fan, I am so in it. Just playing it didn't work for me. So, well, two things on that is they, they were, I think we talked about it last year of like, Oh, that's in development, early development, which mm-hmm. is like, someone had a script somewhere or there's a producer who's like, I have some money. Yeah. And you Uh, had talked in that episode about the fact that there was like a connection between, you know, this being like a prequel and the things that you see between the two games. Yeah. Well, I mean, between the, um, the movie or a show happening and that, Oh, okay. Yeah. That did not happen. That that fell through. It might happen again. Mm -hmm. Obviously it just came out this year, Uh, but apparently whatever was going to be happening for a little nightmares. I think it was a show. Mm. It got scrapped. I would watch Uh, the shit out of that any day of the week because 
these monsters are terrifying. It's did you guys watch The Haunting of Hill House? Yes. You watched that. Okay. In The Haunting of Hill House, you have that sort of tall, thin guy in the hat who floats a little off the ground, who is straight out of my childhood nightmares. And that's the thin man in this, you know, or mono (laughs) in this. Right, right, right. Like, that is is a perfect nightmare image. Everything in this are that perfectly, like, grotesque version of humanity, where Mm -hmm. it's like a humanity you recognize just twisted in a way that you get in that half-awake state of dreaming. Um and I think it's it's truly great. No matter yeah. what complaints I have about this game, that imagery is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh and then also going off of the imagery in the, the TV show or movie, uh the kind of going back in the tangent, I'll get there eventually, I promise. It's fine. Uh me and my kids have um, and my wife. We have a membership to Omzi. We go there every couple of weeks. Uh, which is it the looks local... like you live at Omzi from your Instagram stories. Oh, it's so fun. And they keep opening up more and more things, too. So I'm like, oh, this is open. We got to do videos. They have like a whole earthquake simulator, which they had at um, Exploratorium. Yeah, is that where Exploratorium. They had that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was really, they have all these different earthquakes that you can, like historic earthquakes you can program in. And like, Ooh. it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, but we went there and they had an advertisement which came out and for an exhibition that came out this week for Leica, which I didn't realize is in Portland or it's in Hillsborough, but it's close. A production it is, company. Yeah. It I've does. been there, in fact. I went there with Sarah Austin when For what? I lived there. She, she I mean, because she's like a big internet celebrity or whatever. And she was like, do you want to come to Leica? I feel like we're getting very Portland specific. And, and maybe it's just me and my ignorance. But, but could you tell people what OMSI and Leica are? I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> OMSI is our local science museum. They have, it's a great, um, they have some great kids exhibits. And Leica is a production studio that does stop action, stop motion, stop motion films and so the exhibition on Leica comes out this week they're gonna have a bunch of like sets and characters and they're, they're a bunch of screenings at the like planetarium and theater where a bunch of like the directors and writers and uh, animators are going to be there talking about it so we're hoping to go to a few of those but I realized my kids had never seen any Leica movies so the biggest one the one that came out recently is Missing Link came out a year or two ago with uh, Zach oh, Galifianakis yeah, yeah, yeah. and a mm-hmm. bunch of other big stars all of them have big stars uh, Box Trolls was another big one a few years ago. Uh, Paranorman was, I think, the, the first one that I'd heard of, 2011, 2012, something like that. And then Coraline, I think, is probably their biggest one. And that there's a lot of similarities between Six, the main character of Little Nightmares, with, I think, the yellow um, the yellow raincoat is kind of like the main imagery of both Coraline and Six and the horror aspects to both of those, but also being a video game and Coraline being a, ki- a PG kids movie. Uh, but yeah, you were, this is all going back to the fact that you said I would watch the shit out of a Little Nightmare show. And I'm like, oh, we watched Coraline this week. Right. <laughs> it's pretty similar. It is. Yeah. Now that I think about Maybe it. Maybe PG-13 would be a Little Nightmares version, but it's pretty terrifying. There's definitely lots of horror in Coraline. It is. And it's Neil Gaiman, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, everything that he's written, if you've ever, you know, if you've read Coraline, if you've read The Wolves and the Walls, things like that, he makes these you know, kids' stories that right. are actually very horrific. And now that you mention that, I absolutely can see this this through line between the game and the kind of stuff that he makes and the Leica yeah. style as yeah. well. So, yeah, I mean, Leica making this? Yes, please. I'd be on board. 
I think I'm going to like that a lot. Go on. Oh, uh, waka waka. Wow. Then finish what you're saying, and then I have a, a uh, Neil game on the side. Yeah, real quick, just to mention Kubo and the Two Strings, which is probably is a masterpiece of a film and my favorite like a movie. So nice. check, check that, that out. one out if you want to start out. It's I haven't showed it to the kids. I don't think I will because it's 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 probably PG. Uh, there's death and other stuff. I mean, every Disney movie has death in it too, but um, it's the least creepy out of Paranorman and I'm missing Link. Probably isn't that creepy, but um, it's. It's just like a really good film. I think either won an Oscar or was nominated for a yeah, few. Yeah, it's but... definitely nominated. Can yeah, I make like a, really, just a really quick good. aside here? Because that's fascinating to me that you said you won't show it to the kids. Why? I think just yet I won't. Maybe to Olivia. But a seven, six, and a three-year-old, I feel like just a lot of the themes in it would be over their heads. And they just wouldn't enjoy it as much as they okay, would. Like, gotcha. So it's about... Coraline is a more lovable, say, approachable character. Yeah, I feel like they mm-hmm. just wouldn't appreciate it at this point. Okay, I, I just was interested. I mean, this week on Joe we had Owen come in, uh, Mark's son, and and talk about arachnophobia. And also just the fact, like, to me, because obviously we're children of the 80s and 90s yeah. and things like that, our, like, sensor was off. So I'm always very curious about, like, why parents choose those things. How old is Owen? I think Owen is seven. Okay. Yeah. I thought he was, like, nine. Okay. I think he's seven. It is on the youngest side to watch Arachnophobia. But I don't remember when we watched it. I feel like I was about 10. Right. 10 or 11. I think I was probably five or six. I mean, it came out in 1990, so I was maybe probably six when I saw it. I probably saw it a year after. I was at least nine then. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Um, but that's always a fascinating thing to me is just, you know, what is the creepy threshold, the scary threshold or thing for parents? But anyway. We were watching Coraline and I had to turn it off. I mean, it's scary. Halfway through because Talia was crying because it was so scary. So that that was a key to me Mm -hmm. that I was able to kind of decipher that code. The moment your kid starts crying, I tried to hide it when I was a kid. Like, I distinctly remember watching Thriller as a child and pulling the blanket up over my head. And then when my dad was like, are you too scared? I'll turn it off. Just pulling it down forcibly like... It's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm having a good time. You know, so. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that would be, Olivia would do openly that. Openly crying. Talia was just like bawling. I was like, okay, we'll watch it later. It's fine. Everything's great. Everyone's, and I, I haven't seen it before. So I didn't know. I'm like, I think her parents are going to be fine. It's PG. I don't think both of her like, stolen parents will die. Yeah. But I don't know. Speaking of different movie viewing experiences as children. I first watched Jaws at about age six or seven. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I, uh, you know, was like scampering out of the room and coming back in to watch and scampering back, in, you know, <laughs> terrified. And I remember my dad yelling at me to either sit down and watch the movie. <laughs> and he, and saying, be very scared and or fuck off. Yeah. And I don't care which. Yeah, Um, Yeah, because he couldn't be terrified and frustrated at the same time. That's right. right. There we go. That's the that's the way it works. But there there was also a difference. (laughs) Although it sounds like your your parent was at least aware of your emotional state and and then cared about it to some. Yeah. Our father was was more of a. You are. You're annoying. This is my time. All time is Mm -hmm. my time. Right. And (laughs) and you are often um, an obstacle. That'd Uh, be the other parent. (laughs) Yeah. For me. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> on, this is yeah, 80s, 90s, also parent parental trauma yeah. situations. But I mean, honestly, it's it's fascinating to me to 
just to see that, like what kids are exposed to and where that line is drawn and things like that, you know, because I know that I spent a lot of time trying to make sure I didn't look scared so I didn't get banned from watching mm. stuff because I was into it. And on, I thought it was really interesting on the Dead and Lovely podcast, like two weeks ago, they were talking about, gosh, I can't even remember what movie it was, but they were saying one of the things about it was like that sense when your kids of watching something of being terrified but also there's something about that that draws you to it and obviously as an adult that hasn't stopped for me like watch like playing something like this game the point is that i want to be scared by it like the game the gameplay itself is almost not important to it and that's why like i watched an entire three and a half hour gameplay of this, oh, wow. you know, wow. like I, I watched this whole thing because I was like, I am enjoying how scary this is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's hard to explain why that is. But it starts at a very young age of like, oh, it was Beetlejuice was the movie they were talking oh. about, which really related to me because I watched yeah. that every day for weeks when I was like four years old. It was like my poor mother could not get me to stop watching Beetlejuice. And obviously it was terrifying, but I could not stop watching it. And the same with a movie that like a French movie called Fantastic Planet that I thought was terrifying. And I would sneak it into the VCR every day and just be like, God, this is scary and just watch it. Uh, so I don't know it's an interesting interesting thing to me and honestly I would be very curious if you guys caught your kid watching a fantastic planet or something like that that you knew was terrifying them and way above their age what you would do take it out say never speak of this moment again (laughs) throw it away oh I I yeah I'm constantly trying to push my kids to to watch things beyond the yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> Please and be so, on my level, right? Or beyond just a, here. a different level, right? Beyond a level that you know, be a little bit beyond your own. I it's not just My Little Pony every day, yeah. Right. Oh, that's good. No, no the movie's good, but like, or whatever. Even like Daniel Tiger's good, but it like it's okay to be pushed a little. Mm, interesting. Um, so, so I would be like, I'd be like very pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, you like this? All right, cool. Let's let's sit down and check it out. Sounds good. Um, right. Yeah. Which is I also I think a difference between millennial parenting and boomer yeah. parenting is yeah. the oh you're into this let's sit down and like watch it together and maybe talk about this as opposed to like do not watch that and I will not tell you why. Right. Which is also I think naive of us because Olivia my seven year old already likes doing things without me. I'll be like oh I'll play this with you. I that's what parenting books say I should do or. Instagram posts say I should do <laughs> as a good parent. Play with your kids. Let them lead in the play. Blah, blah, blah. So I'll do that. And she's like, Dad, don't play with me. I'm playing Fuck out off, myself. Dad. I'm Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm playing with Talia. We're good. We don't need a parent here. We're doing six and seven year old things. Okay. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> so if she's super into, she's like, oh my God, Robocop. Have you seen that? I want to watch that. I don't know. I'd have to be very strategic, I think. Yeah. Into the like, I'd love to watch that with you. That would be fun. Yeah, but I don't want to impose. But, but, but like, yeah, I'm already doing the I'm like. I'm a cool dad. <laughs> the Ty Burrell, like, I'm a cool dad. Yeah. Hey, guys, what's up? So totally. it's already happening. And it's only going to get worse when they actually mm-hmm. do want to watch like PG-13 and R-rated things. Where I'm like, yeah, I'll sit three rows behind you in the theater and yes. watch you watch it with your friends or whatever. So 
Mm-hmm. But but I agree. I think ideally it would be nice to be like, let's experience watching. Uh, it wasn't Beetlejuice? What was the uh, you just what Mark watched with his kid? Uh, arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. Yeah. How did that go? By the way. Well, he loved yeah. it. Oh, he loved cool. it, and That's cool. he. Well, also he's not scared of spiders, which is helpful. Or he wasn't. Yeah, he <laughs> wasn't. Right. Mark's older kid wouldn't watch it. He was oh, like, wow. "I am terrified of spiders. This is not happening." Um, so. Yeah, even afterwards, Owen was like, yeah, yeah, I want to watch more horror movies after he watched it. So, wow. yeah, that's cool. went pretty well. And he's on the pod. And he's on the pod. I haven't listened very to this cute. My... It's the Mark edited episode, so I'm like, I can't oh. listen. No. This is a different episode. This, is, this hasn't come out yet. This, is, this, okay, this cool. will come out tomorrow. Okay. But my favorite thing is that Mark asked Owen what he thought the podcast was about. His first answer was murders and everything. Pretty good tagline. And then when he said, what else do you think it's about? He went, Graves. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Nailed it. He read the title. Yeah. Nailed it, buddy. (laughs) But yes. I'm sorry for this tangent, but I'm just fascinated by kids and horror and all of this kind of stuff. I just find it really interesting as a non-child person. (laughs) It's called an adult. I meant like as a person without children, child-free person. I just... See, I was expecting Mark's kid to say, well, I don't know if it's related, but there's this great Instagram channel uh, called Jack and Wolves. Think... <laughs> Is it about that? It's about, it's that. about that. that. They disappeared. That guy's gone. I feel like because of you. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the police caught up to him. It's quite... Po- they found a body in his freezer. Yeah. Uh-huh. The way to go in rural America. Mm. All right. What were we talking about? There's a game we played. What was it again? Was it Last of Us 2? Red Dead Redemption? Little, okay. I don't know if anyone else is also doing this. Do you guys, are your kids into Little Einsteins or is that like 10 years ago? I don't know what that is. So that's like 10 years ago. I when so. I was well, I like a babysitter this. out of college and that was the only thing that I could do for work. Little Einsteins was oh. like a show that was on, and it ha- it was the worst thing on the planet. It had all these little Sounds anthropomorphic awful. animals that, like, one of them was like a duck that talked with a really aggressive lisp, and I just hated everything about it. And like, well, it's on Disney, so we have it. But oh, well, they, they don't do yet. it. Don't okay. Okay. don't open this door. No, no. But all I can think of is the theme song with the like Little Einstein. So every time I even think of little nightmares my brain's like little nightmares oh nice and it makes it scarier that's what they need a peppy theme song mm. for little nightmares playing over the background Honestly. i will say that like da 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 of like the little choir of kids humming that over and over mm-hmm. it's so simple and so good it's so creepy and just oh man that's the thing the creep factor of this is yeah incredible it's so good. no complaints no complaints on creep factor except that it takes too long to get there that's my yeah. only I, I thought it was really good uh, like onboarding process of like in the forest where there's like the first few minutes you have no bad guys you're just like running through the forest the whole hunter stuff i, I thought all that was really good when you're like trying to like creep through the grass mm-hmm. uh oh and then uh, the thing we we're talking about 20 minutes ago of the five levels school hospital when you're running from this i don't even know person who's taking body parts and combining them uh running from him and then you get to i think it's just called oh pale city which i thought was i think is my favorite chapter 
but chapter mm-hmm. four where you're it has something to do with TVs. There's a couple like scary bad guys in that one, but for the most part, you're just like exploring the city and just like looking at right. really cool backgrounds, really cool depth of field, crossing like giant like cavernous pathways on like little pieces of string or whatever. And I love it when the camera zooms out and shows you the whole city. It's just gorgeous. Uh, and that's when you face the thin man, you beat him and then you go to the signal tower in the last chapter. And there's like a whole door puzzle that you need to hear in order to pass the puzzle. Uh, and then you have to face off against six in her mm-hmm. like demonic, I don't know, possessed yeah, form, whatever that is. Other form. Yeah. Uh, which that was the part that Signal would be... Signal towered six. Yeah, yeah. Any mushy controls in that would be impossible because it was almost impossible exactly. with the I, non, non-whining non controls, whatever I had, the fine <laughs> controls. Uh, that was real hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really... We don't need to get into like all the lore of it. I think I appreciate just the fact that there is lore. And that there is a story that all of those things, all the characters, all the five different stages all make sense and live in a world that is really, really well thought out. Even Mm -hmm. if you're not like, oh, it's the greatest story ever. The fact that it's so has that much depth and everything does tie in together really well with the first game, all the DLC, the what was the other one? Really Little Nightmares or something like that? The mobile game? Oh, Uh, I don't don't think I realized that was Super Tiny Nightmares, whatever it was. But (laughs) Little Nightmares. (laughs) That's what it was, yeah. Uh, I think just the fact that it ties in really well and for whatever reason, I think, I mean, I think it's good, but I don't know if it's like, it's not like I relate to the horror of that, but whatever, something connects with me. I don't know what level, uh, but I, maybe it's just the fact that I haven't watched as many horror movies as you, Corey. I don't know what it is, but, um, really like the story. really like how it ties into mono growing up to be thin man and kind of like that whole cycle going over. I thought that's just like really clean and like Mm -hmm. logical to me. And I love that as like a not happy ending as yeah. a person who I constantly think that too many things have like extremely happy endings mm-hmm. or whatever. And I love a thing that doesn't wrap up clean yeah. and to have this sort of end with six betraying that mono was, yeah. and mono becoming the thin man. I think I am very on that board cool. with that as a thing. I yeah. think that was really cool. And we were talking about it the other day, Jason, that we're like, I was on like chapter four and I still didn't know if this was the a prequel or a sequel or like if it took place at the same time. Cause I just remember you wake up in a suitcase in the first one. So I was like, right. that must've happened before this because here, like we're trying to put it together. And I was like, well, it can't be after because at the end of the first one, you're in the maw, right? Which is that like big old boat where all the like gluttonous people are chasing you and all that. Mm-hmm. And you destroy all of them at the end with like your lightning powers. And basically, at the end, Jason and I paused and we're like, and you become God? Was it God you become? I think you become God at the end. <laughs> After you eat all the gnomes and then they worship you. Uh, but yeah, so we're pretty sure this wasn't a sequel because we're like, she doesn't seem like God in this one. No. This game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? I just want to know what game is Westy12. I'm going to start it off. My drink uh, is Deschutes Holiday Ale, Jubal Ale. Oh, I love a Jubal Ale. Uh, we had this at our wedding. It's one of me and Hannah's all-time favorite beers. It's a, The recipe's a little different every year. And I went with it because it's wintry and I'm drinking it now. 
and it has always has kind of like creepyish, like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas vibes on the, the artwork. Mm. The artwork's different every year, but yeah, it's a dark ale. It's a dark game. I don't need more of a connection than that. Who wants to go next? Once drank it out of a pumpkin. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. That was really fun. It was actually it really good too. Me out. It, it kind of grossed me out. I still drink it. I don't like it. My bigger brother told me I had to do it, Corey. <laughs> he said I wouldn't be cool if I didn't drink it. His bigger brother. Yeah. Well, Jeremy's my smaller brother. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's a good point. And Austin's my younger brother. So yeah. Important <laughs> distinction. Yeah. Yep. My big brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uh, my drink is uh, the Devil's Backbone, a triple from Real Ale, and uh, triple is one of my favorite beer styles. And man, this thing sucks. <laughs> it's like it it tastes like uh, what the kids in Little Nightmares would be served if they asked for apple juice. Mm. It'd be like, okay, I I realize that this does taste a lot like apple juice, but it also tastes like it's matted. Wow. And so so that's what I wanted. It, it felt like something out of the game. It was something that uh, other people like, and I don't. I'm, this is not an objective opinion on it. In fact, when I, I checked out the grocery store, and I, I bought some this week, I, I was thinking to myself, do I like... I feel like I don't like this. It's been so long. Let me get a six-pack. Wow. It's a commitment. Yeah. In the in the grocery store checkout line, uh, there weren't a lot of options. Uh, the yeah, the bagger looks at me and goes, this is a good beer. And I just I looked at him and just thought to myself, oh, oh no. Yeah, that's tough. I've made a mistake. Sometimes you know. My drink yeah. for this week drink. is this weird masala chai that I found on the shelf uh, this week uh, called Mud Slash Water, but with no vowels in water, W-T-R. What, the reptile? Like a mud waiter. Uh, yes. I'm gonna, I'm leaning, yes and, it is both those things. Cool. <laughs> um, this masala chai has things that I should like. Let's see. It's black tea, ginger, cardamom, cloves, nutmeg, and black pepper. Stuff that seems like it should be a nice little punch in the face. Like, I'm going to really enjoy it. Um, and it didn't It didn't taste like anything to me. I put it in my, my water, heated it up, uh, and it was just bland to me in spite of all the things that were happening here. So I really wanted to like it. It is the taste of the season. Everything about it says fall, says Halloween, all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, my brain said, nah, it's just not working. And that was this game for me that I wanted to love it. I think all the parts are there. I'm in. But for some reason, it just didn't work. I had my first PSL last week. Oh, did you? That stands for Portland Spice Latte. By oh, the way. Portland Spice. Is that what that is? Thank you. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> uh, and I get Where it. Where did you get it? McDonald's. Nice. Going basic as full broad with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Straight up. I love it. And you liked it, right? Yeah. What's not to like? Like, the only thing not to like is that, like, oh, like, it's for basic bitches. But, like, right. I don't know. It's just like cappuccinos and frappuccinos. It's just like coffee with a bunch of milk and sugar in it. It's good. So so here's what I don't like about a pumpkin spice latte. And it's very hit or miss. It depends on who's making it. I'll have to try more. Sometimes you get one where you can actually like feel the grains of spice oh, yeah. as you're drinking it. I hate that feeling. Sure. Like really hate okay. it. Uh, the actual flavors, love. Pumpkin spice latte, right. very good. Very nice. But every once in a while, 
someone just doesn't quite stir them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, totally. Oh, I feel like there's just ground up pumpkin in my throat now. I don't like it. No. I don't want texture in anything I drink, and that's a constant struggle for me with any kind of like coffee yeah. or tea or things, including this masala chai that I just talked about. So I am 100% with you on that, Jay. No thanks on that. What the reptile? What? What? <laughs> WTR. What the reptile? First R okay. word I could think of. Yeah. <laughs> Classic <laughs> lingo from the millennials. <laughs> what the My... Rickenbacker? See, that's better. That's yeah. better. I, I should have. I should have uh, workshopped it. I apologize, everyone. <laughs> My song uh-huh. for this week. You wrote a song. It. I did. It goes, it's Little Nightmare. Little Nightmare. Let's go! Little Einsteins. We need you! Little Einsteins, yeah! Very scary. You guys ever worry that you're going insane? Like, like you think that like maybe there's not anybody on the other side of this line? Oh, constantly. These are just the things that, that I'm hearing. They're just not, not things people say. These are not, this is not how humans interact with each other. Oh, these are clearly voices in my head. We've no, yeah, this is the last episode. Uh, yeah, this was last week being in the UK and, you know, walking around Birmingham with Mark. We kept saying, like, someone is watching someone talk to an air person right now. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm convinced that this doesn't exist and I'm talking to nothing. Little nightmares. Little nightmares. So, yeah. Uh, my song for this week uh, is God's Away on Business by I was Tom hoping Waits. that was it. I saw you tweet that song and I was hoping. I tweeted it out and oh. that was exactly it. Listen, so obviously it has a little, what I tweeted about it has a little sentimental value. My dad died 10 years ago this week and he got me very into Tom Waits at the time. I mentioned this on Joag recently that he said, um... He referred to Tom Waits and his songs as being like uh, whispering the like most romantic love songs through a gas station bathroom yes. stall. Yes. And uh, I immediately was like, OK, I need to listen to more of this Tom Waits guy. And that is 100 percent accurate. Uh, and God's Away on Business is one of my absolute favorites of Tom Waits' songs. Um, and it's this very, like, kind of vaudeville sound to it, like circus music. like, um, And it has, the video to it is very grimy, very much this, like, haunted feeling, emptiness to it. Absolutely, when I watch that video and listen to that song, feels like the tone of Little Nightmares. And and I had initially thought, too, of um, his other, and song is using this broadly, but his song, um, What's He Building? Oh, I love that one. Yeah, it was very much like a, a tie between these two things, because the What's He Building video also has, like, the TV in it, much like... Uh, the video for, um, I mean, much like Little, Little Nightmares, Nightmares yeah. does and all that stuff. So, I mean, Tom Waits, I feel like, could be the patron saint of this game. Yeah. And God's Away on Business, I feel like if you were to put that on as the background to this game, it would fit perfectly. What's he building in there? What's he building in there? What's he building in there? <laughs> <laughs> 
God, that song's good. Okay, um, <laughs> I just got to throw another Tom Waits song in, so this isn't my song. I don't know if this is in the podcast, but if you haven't heard it then, yeah. The Piano Has Been Drinking. Ah, uh, The Piano Has Been Drinking. The Piano Has Been Drinking My nectar is asleep And the combo went back to New York I love this song so much. So it goes on. It's amazing, but it ends with repeating over and over and over. The piano has been drinking. The piano has been drinking. The piano has been drinking. Not me. Nice. I actually, I talked about this. I didn't mention it by name, but I did talk about this on Joe Ag recently because I talked about him on Fernwood Tonight. And oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the song that he plays oh. on Fernwood tonight at the end of that interview. He does the piano has been drinking. That reminds uh, me such a great song. Just the Classic. listing of things Fucking reminds me of him. Big in Japan, which is one of my all time yes. favorites. Oh, of course. Off of Punkarama. Punkarama Four, one of the greatest compilations of all time. <laughs> it really is. Oh, it's so good. Yep. And Tom Waits is a Petaluma man. You can find him at the Phoenix hanging out, Wait. saying hello to people. Is he really? And, yeah. Yes. I did not know that. <gasps> you didn't know that yeah he is uh yeah he wow. lives out in petaluma and he shows up to local shows and shit like that yeah that's awesome yep love the man so that's my song for the week and i think that's yeah that sums up this regardless of how i feel about the gameplay on this i think it's a game worthy of tom waits tom waits steve reed jeremy sweet petaluma man wow it's a good crop <laughs> Ugh. Good crop, Jay. Crop. Yes. Look at this crop. Crop. We goose them. Are we goose them? They're goose. Why do they call them that? It's an old circus term. But why? Why do they call them that? Because it's an old circus term. They're called goose suits. <laughs> oh, Sam Richardson, you Greek god. Corey, have you watched um, Think You Should Leave? Of course. I've okay, watched okay. I Think You Should Leave. Good. Just want to make on. sure we're on the same The page. sequel to Detroiters is what I'm finding out the more I get through Detroiters. <laughs> Uh, I want to watch Detroiters. That's so good. Uh, did we get through all the songs? Jane, was that your song? No, I didn't. No. Right. no. Well, he played a and, song for us. And you didn't play your... You, you didn't and play I didn't play mine yet. No, I'm the only person so who has done, shared right? a song here. We're good here? Pull the plug. Um, I chose the song You're Dead by Norman Tenegra. Norman? That's Norma. Yeah. Oh, me, me so not have words. Are you doing the welcome for the episode? Uh, I chose the song You're Dead by Norma Tenegra. Oh, don't sing if you want to live long They have no use for your song You're dead, you're dead, you're dead You're dead and out of this world You're dead, you're dead It's great. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. And it's creepy, but also I love it. So there you go. My song is the theme song. I'm not going to have any explanation of Jason's song. I, oh, I said oh, it's creepy go. and it's good. That's oh, all okay. I needed. Okay, 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 okay. That's all I wanted to say. Cool. Sweet. Benjamin Jeffrey Helms. I went with the Little Nightmares 2 theme, which basically is just a, like, da-da-da, 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 da-da-da. Just those far, four bars. Why does it sound like three blind it does, mice when you Because it, it sounds like three blind mice. But also, it's just that with, like, clarinets. It's that with oboes it's that with violins it's that with little kid choirs it's that with little drunk kid choirs it's that with like it's just that 
thing over and over and over. It should be super annoying, but to me, it just gets creepier and creepier and creepier, and I love it. Now presenting Philadelphia 3rd Street Drunken <laughs> Children's Choir. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about some of our favorite spooky game moments, guys. I've got one queued up. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. How cute is it? How cute is it? (laughs) Is that what you you want for yourself? Yeah. By the way, Mm -hmm. that is also the the worst comment I've ever had written on a paper uh, by my mentor during my PhD program. Is this all you want for yourself? Oh fuck! That is right. That's to the like to your soul. Yeah, he was right. I was definitely phoning it in. It's like, are you okay with this as a person? I was definitely phoning it in. This was not like a. This was not what he writes on everyone's. He knew that I do. I would often write weird things, and I wrote something very normal. And like, look, I'm playing the game. I'm doing it right. And it's just like, is this, is this all you want for yourself? Because if that's what you want, wow. you, could, you could do that. You could have a career. Yeah. No? You're great at it. Fine. Go on. It's fine. Be mediocre. That's right. So we decided to do a segment on favorite spooky game moments. Ooh. And um, what came up for me, because scary games are way too scary. Way too scary. I'm doing sound effects. What's, what's going on? Sound effects. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I do sound designs. Okay. Cool, cool. I'm a sounds designer. Um, so yeah. teach a class on video games. And I yeah. used to do, back before the uh, pandemic... Uh, game nights with the students. Yeah, they work usually at night. They're usually in the afternoon or something like that. But I would bring students in groups wobbly and metal sound. student group would get to experience <laughs> one tabletop game. Otherwise, I just couldn't figure out how to teach a tabletop game to turn. And so Dead one of my favorite things was to do the game Thread, which is you, there's no dice. You play it with Jenga. And every time your character with wants to... With Jenga? Okay. And every time your character wants to do something that is difficult, right? So I open the door, fine. You just open the door. We don't need to roll dice anyway. But uh, the door is locked. Okay, I'm going to break it down. Okay, pull two blocks. You know, depending on who your character is. And if your character is like six foot four, 300 pounds, pull one block, right? And so that's the way you run Dread. And what happens is you run it as a scary story. Those are the best stories for this. And the tower, as it gets taller, whenever it falls, whoever knocked it over dies. And, you know, not necessarily in that moment, right? It doesn't, it matters if, you know, what they were doing in that moment, but they're going to die very in a few seconds, if not then. They're the next one that the monster's going to get. And so the Jenga Tower becomes this great metaphor for the tension of the game and for death. And you see it coming. And you know, as you've done more and more difficult things, you can feel the tension mounting. So one time, playing this with a group of students, and um, there was one student who was already dead, and she was sitting there, like, just, like, so tense. So, like, like scared and just, like, locked in. And something happened, and somebody had to, had to pull a block, and they got it done, and then I, I delivered the next bit, and they, like, escaped. And she did this big, like, woo, and, like, backed up and, like, <laughs> ran into the Jenga tower and knocked it over. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was such a wonderful moment of, like, storytelling that got someone to actually do something, and, like, it was great. That was feels like, like something I would do. I, I don't know how to make you any more dead. You are already, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. Um, yeah, that was fun. That's delightful. I love that story. Anybody else have a spooky game story? It's okay if you don't. Just move I on. don't. Uh, the only, here's the thing is that like the games that I play 
are largely for this podcast, which is why I like being on this podcast, because otherwise I would not play games. Uh, so when I think of spooky games, it's like it's the spooky games we have played for this. And I have already talked about them at length. Although you never played. What's the um, the one we did two Halloweens ago? Um, Oxen free. Oxen free. Oh, so and they're doing a sequel. Oxen free. Um, I know. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, yeah, Last of Us and this are kind of the only horror games I really played. Have you done any of the like, um, like VR spooky no, things? I heard those are really good. I love videos of that kind of stuff, and I know that I couldn't yeah. do it because a I have no sense of balance or mm-hmm. anything like that. Uh, and B, I am terrible when it comes to being startled. But I love watching other people do them. Uh, and I think they're super fun. So I do have a, a PSVR. And one of the games in like the pack-in game is a, a dive with sharks. And you're like in a shark cage. Yes. Oh, I did that so, at, like, yeah. the, at the Verizon store. And yeah. I was like the happiest yeah, human on the planet. So- Keo has a video of me. Yeah experiencing this and just going oh, oh i'm so excited so <laughs> it's just like so into it yeah so i um i had my father-in-law play it, and he's pretty straight laced you know he's a football coach he um <laughs> doesn't much like a metaphor um he sure. won't watch uh, science fiction movies because he just always goes but that couldn't happen mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> so why would we, i don't understand that couldn't happen yeah why are we why are we talking about this yep so um I said, yeah, this is a game you like. And said, I, I just don't know how to control these things. And, and the way it controls, it's just a ride. Right? You, could, you can sit on your couch and experience right. it that way. It's, uh, it's kind of a ride. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a ride. But a much more fun thing to say when someone who's a little bit worried about playing video games is first checking out a virtual reality shark dive is to first off not tell them about the sharks. Yeah. And second off to say it's voice controlled. <laughs> Did you do this? <laughs> because... <laughs> Constantly in your ears, the person is telling you things. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Right? And so, um, dare you. so I said, no. uh, you can just talk back to no. them. And they, they, you know, it's not going to understand everything, but it, you know, basically it's going to lower you. You know, you can tell them to pull you up whenever you need to get pulled back up, you know, that kind of thing. And so he's, it's hey, how are you feeling so down messed there? Up. Uh, feeling good. Feeling good down here. Uh, everything's good. Everything's good. Just watching him. And then just screaming, pull me up, pull me up, there's a shark, pull me up, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Oh, uh, we got no, footage of it somewhere. So good. This can't be on the podcast, can it? No, okay. no, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think what, it can is be. he going to listen to I it? I think it can be. It was, it was very funny. And and to be clear, <laughs> the person who should be made fun of is me, because this was cruel. Yeah. This was not a kind thing to do. Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I feel pretty good about it, to be honest with you. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> I think that is a harmless prank. There's no victim here. To be honest, I'm I'm ashamed of my actions. Uh, but to be even more honest, I'm very proud of my actions and not at all. Ashamed. No, I'm happy you did it. Mm. I'm glad I didn't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I'm trying to think like spooky games, and I think the spookiest games that I played were probably the game Corey and I would play in high school, which was trespassing and breaking into like derelict hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why did we do that? We did a lot. Jesus fucking Christ! And like all the time. There's no lights on in this building. Into shit. So probably no one lives here or owns this. It's probably public property. 
Probably. This is what happens when you have a white ass boyfriend. You break in the thing. That's my fault? When you shouldn't. It is 100%. I think it was your idea. I I disagree, sir. I doubt I was the originator of these ideas. That's fair. I distinctly remember not remembering whose idea it was. We broke into a lot of creepy places. One of the ones that I remember is the Belvedere House, of yes. course, which we Classic. did several times. The and, cops got us one time? the one that I remember, the cops got us one time because fucking Nick dropped Chelsea's keys. Oh, yeah. And so we had to go. We were like, all right, we're out. We're good. Everything is great. We were walking out. out. And then this house, which... <laughs> If you look it up, you can actually like Google about this house. Yeah. You can find out things about it. And of course, it's not as scary and haunted as uh, we learned it was as urban legend. But or they covered their tracks well. Or they covered their tracks. But regardless, this place was right on the bay. Um, you could see it from Sausalito. It's in Tiburon and or well, I guess it's Belvedere yeah. technically. Yeah. But you know, whatever. Tiburon and Belvedere are the same yeah. place. And uh, supposedly the story behind this place was something about this guy going to Hawaii and bringing back lava rock. And he made tunnels under his home with these lava rocks and was found dead in one of these tunnels. And if you know anything about like lava rocks and Hawaii and everything, A, you're not supposed to fucking bring them to other places. And B, they're supposed to be bad luck. So uh, this place was really just like a derelict house that was extremely dangerous for people to be trespassing yeah, in. With sharp rocks everywhere. Um, <laughs> sharp rocks everywhere, holes in the floor, yeah. all of this oh kind God. of stuff. Like it was like, I don't know if you remember that, that there was like one of the floors was just straight up a giant yeah. hole that would have plummeted you yeah. down into like the basement of this place from like the third floor. Which, I don't know if there was a way out. Yeah, like it was... <laughs> extremely dangerous but we were teenagers so this is the kind of thing that like of course you're gonna do for fun um and so we went there several times but one of these times our friend nick was with us and he was holding our friend chelsea's keys but being the absent-minded human that he was somehow he managed to drop those keys in the house oh i forgot it was in the house in the oh house. God. And it was like, it was legitimately like near one of those drops or something. It was like somewhere that was like super precarious. So we were like, how did you even do this? Did you pull it out of your pocket and place it? <sighs> like, why did this happen? And so, of course, then the cops come through because Belvedere is an extremely rich area in Marin County where all the houses are millions of dollars. Right and on the they bay. know that kids are right on the bay. They know that kids are trying to break into these homes. Uh, and they, you know, there was a guy on his loudspeaker yeah. like, hey, what are you doing down there? And we're like, do we hide do we say something? How did the story end? I just remember hiding. Jen, I think we just hid until the guy got <laughs> bored. Like, he was like, whatever. They're okay, going to come yeah, out yeah. of there. They didn't care. We found Chelsea's keys and we left. Got it. Okay. And we just we just had to sit down there for like 20 minutes or whatever yeah. until the dude. Flashlights. Because he wasn't going to climb down. It was a, right, it right. Was a hill. If yeah. you recall. It's like a stark cliff steep, space, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. 
um, that you would have had to have climbed down to come get us. And like, of course, no cop is going to be like, yeah, that feels like a thing I should risk. Right. <laughs> so, There's a bunch of people like <laughs> crawling around in the dark down there. Yeah, yeah I'll just go down there by myself. No, it's teenagers. Who knows right. who's down there? Right. right. So he did his job of being like, hey, get out of there. And then he left. Yeah, so that was amongst things. We also like we'd go to the headlands at night, oh, which is the terrifying. And yeah. did you see Venom Two? No, not yet. Ugh! In Venom Two, a shit ton of bodies are found on Rodeo Beach, which is where we would spend oh, nice. a lot our of beach. our time when we were yeah, in high it was like school. The least crowded beach to go to out there. Yeah, because yeah. it's cold as shit. Yeah. Uh, you go there in a sweatshirt with a sleeping bag and just like sit on the beach and be like, this is fun. This is great. Uh, <laughs> I'm a know? youth. Yeah, I'm a youth. This is a thing I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. We had uh, also there was the house behind Tam High that we broke into. Oh, you my gosh. That? That's John right. Kuhn. Yeah. And then we found there was the newspaper from when Eisenhower was elected in there. And oh my gosh, like, oh, it was all the newspaper everywhere. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we broke into a lot of weird, creepy places. There's the I was Hamilton had like the old hospital. Oh, the old hospital. We were trying to get Hamilton. into for a long time, and we saw the weird like animal <laughs> there. We were with Alexis, and it was like a weird somewhere in your videotapes. I know oh, no. you have this. Where we're like, what is that strange creature that is? It was like in the road? Around here? It was like, yeah, we turned like some weird corner. We were like, what is that weird deer kind of weird oh, thing that was God. on the road? Look through your yeah. tapes someday. Oh, well. You'll find it. But yeah. Look through your tapes. Tapes. For the kids, those were like these things with little ribbons in them. And they were. I still have them too. I still have the old camcorder with all the tapes. Yeah. I'll have to go through that sometime. Yeah. I'd love to see that. So, yeah. My spooky games were the spooky games like I played. Like actual spooky games. Because <laughs> we're old. And that yeah. we had that analog ass chip. Yeah. All right. Uh, recommendation station? Recommendation station. I think Leica for me, those, those movies hold up really well and they're beautifully animated and check are they streaming out. anywhere I, n- no really they're, are they're all streaming in like different areas yeah i had to like rent two of them i think spot. yeah which i was i was like oh maybe they'll all be on stars or something but they're not they're all just kind of scattered so i think one is on netflix the other two i had to rent i think kubo was on hbo for a while so i don't know sorry yeah. Fair enough. um but yeah, that's my main recommendation. You guys talk, and I'll throw in something else if I think of anything. So uh, I want to mention this earlier when we were talking about Neil Gaiman. Uh, but I started reading Gene Wolfe, um, Book of the New Sun. And I remember that uh, Gaiman had mentioned Wolfe before in some of his writings. Mm. And um, he, on the cover of Book of the New Sun, it says, uh, the, the greatest book of the 20th century, Neil Gaiman. Oh, damn. I was like, okay, okay let's check this out. And there was something really disappointing about being like, oh, I see where you got, like, everything. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Like, just your whole vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Like, it's a really good book. But and often it makes does, you feel like you'll give that stuff better than him. But, yeah, he, he definitely took a lot from it. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. What was the, what was it called again? Book of the New Sun, and it's actually four books. Um, so the first one is something of the torturer, uh, Shadow of the Torturer, or something like that. But it it 
feels very like Game of Thrones, gritty fantasy kind of thing. It was written in the 80s, and you slowly figure out that it's taking place in the future, like hundreds of thousands of years in the future. And it's it's, cool. it's like a reverse Battlestar Galactica. Exactly. The old reverse Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> I think my husband would probably like that. It's good. It's Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I have two other quick things to recommend. I've also been watching a bunch of John Carpenter. I think I've recommended that before because I keep going back to John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. It's always great. Yeah. Um, I showed my showed my wife uh, Prince of Darkness, which is just such a great horror movie. Yes. Um, so gross. And so I much think fun. I know that one. Prince of Darkness? <laughs> Prince of Darkness. So Carpenter called this the Apocalypse Trilogy. And it starts with The Thing. Yeah. All right. Prince of Darkness is the second one. And the third one is uh, In the Mouth of Madness. And they are not related at all, except in being incredibly nihilistic science fiction. Mm. Uh, so if you want, like, like a similar vibe to the thing, yeah. without any other connection other than, yeah, I can see that there's yeah. the same person made both of these. Like, they <laughs> are. Third one has Sam Neill. Yes. Can't go wrong with Sam Neill. And then uh, the third one, yesterday I finished Roadside Picnic which is a 70s Russian science fiction. Looks sweet, though. Ben, did you finish Squid Game? Yeah. What did you think? I, I think I was talking to... I think I was talking to you about it, but about the idea that I really like things where it, like, pushes people out of their comfort zone to, like, logical extremes. Mm-hmm. And so the idea... Which is why I like Battle Royale very similarly, of just sure. like, oh, it's like a bunch of kids who are desperate and are putting this... Not even necessarily like realistic, mm-hmm. but like if this one thing happened, everything else is pretty realistic to me. Right. And so same with Last of Us Two, a similar kind of thing where it's like, if zombies, then maybe this. Sure. I'm like, oh, okay. Like as long as you get by this one willing suspension. Right, yeah, yeah. Even if that's big, I can usually get there within like a fantasy world. So to me, this was like the most realistic version of that. <laughs> Done like the filmmaking was just amazing. <laughs> but yeah, from the acting, the filmmaking, the pacing, I thought everything was great. Only, I probably have more than one gripe. My only gripe was episode two, where they're like, in the first one, yeah, Jay, yeah, do that. Spoiler alert. Uh, where they like show you all the murder in episode one, and episode two, you have to like learn about their lives and backstories, and they don't get back to the murder place till episode three. And I was just like, let's get back. Come on. So, but besides that, it was, uh, I really liked it. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about Battle Royale is that it was such a Hunger Games ripoff. Come on. <laughs> That's a good point, Jay. I didn't thought about Obviously. that. I hadn't made that connection yet. Yeah, I mean, so. I my thing with Squid Game is I'm like, it's I cannot complain about how it's made, although I think sure. the last episode is shit, that I think, you know, it should be a one-season show, and I hate that there's a second season coming, and it makes oh, no sense tough. to me. I hate that last episode i was like oh fuck this yes and the whole show is that i was i can't, i went into it not knowing anything about the show and i would not yeah. recommend that to people i would recommend you read about it first oh really yeah because thus when i went into that show it was just sad and devastating and terrible all the way through um and there's no there me. is no light to that show at all really where do you find light in Squid Game? Everything about that entire show is horrendous. And like you were kind of saying, like the thing about this show to me that was so hard to watch is that it is realistic. <laughs> and the fact that, yeah, this is Korea where they have their own issues and everything. But the idea of 
in America, the way that it is set up, right. this kind of thing, the desperation that drives people to be a part of this too, even with the choice to not be a part of it, they go yeah. back and do it anyway. Okay, Jason, the spoilers. <clears throat> it's not a spoiler. It's the attention. first episode of this show. I think that, maybe, yeah. <laughs> like, or that's or the something. thing is like, yeah. you find that out in the first three minutes of this show or whatever. <laughs> you know, like as soon as they go into this game, you find out they can leave. No, but so, then they don't come back to the end of the second episode. But you but, know they're going to come back or there's not going to be the rest of the show. So it's not really. What if they never did? And it was just about him and his relationship <laughs> with his daughter the rest of it. <laughs> That's the whole show. And they make it work. It's a good you know? No, you know exactly what's going to happen. Yes, you find out That's the fair. rules immediately in the first yeah, yeah, episode yeah. that true. people can leave if they want to. They vote. And yeah, yet yeah. they stay. And that is, to me, it was just very... I don't know, the idea of the desperation of people yeah. made it so that the entire show was misery to me. Mm. That there is no amount of lighthearted moments and love between people or anything like that that can go beyond the fact that these are people like real life people who would be driven to the point where they would do something like this. So I would say it's a it's a show... That is very good, aside from the last episode that I think is shit. And specifically, like, the way it ends, like, the story you're talking about. The Not way just, it like, ends, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I okay, think that fair. that was, like, that's, like, the the thing where it's, like, oh, we just realized we made something profitable. We should make it so that there's more seasons. Uh, as so you opposed mean specifically, like, the last ends. scene, even, is what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. It's the okay. last scene. The last episode I thought was pretty well done. Yeah, but yeah it's I, the I last 30 minutes of this show. Sure. Sure. is bullshit <laughs> is how i feel about that that i'm like cool. oh that's the cash grab of this show yeah. um so it's good but i i hated the thing i will not watch the second season but that doesn't mean i don't think other people should watch it so it's my weird recommendation station that's a backhanded recommendation right famously i mean it was made for i think 20 million and and it came out last week that it was like it upped netflix's value to 900 million right it's the most it's the popular most washed thing, thing in netflix ever history, been put on which netflix is surprising to me as much as we're uh, like we live in this like voyeuristic culture mm-hmm. that wants to see destruction and horrible headlines all the time the fact that there is no light the fact that yeah. it's not a romantic comedy but i don't think that's, that's what like, people because that's the thing is, i watched it it's subtitled a thing i do not watch um right but the way that it was presented did not tell me what the show actually was so if you were to watch a trailer for it if you were to see memes from it things like that it's not the show that you're expecting and so i think like if it were if that show were presented to audiences as the show it is it would not be as popular as it is (laughs) And Netflix only counts watching as, like, I think the first two minutes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So who who knows knows how many people nope out of it as well. But I also think it's a matter of people talking about it and being like, oh, you should watch this and not telling people what it is. Because I really (laughs) enjoyed it and I'm glad I didn't know anything going in. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to spend, how what, six hours, eight hours or whatever and hating it. So I could see wanting to know more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a toss up. Yeah. So maybe watch it, maybe don't. That's our recommendation station recommendation. position on it. <laughs> Jay, are you going to watch it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Sweet. I just got to wait for Megan to get back. Oh, sweet. Ah, nice. Developer Spotlight? Developer Spotlight. Let's do it. Let's spotlight a developer. 
this month we are spotlighting Chris Kindred, who is a uh, game developer, uh, illustrator, and writer. Uh, they do all kinds of cool things, and I found myself getting distracted by some of their comics and other things as well. Ooh. But they bring their art into their games, uh, or I'm sorry, they bring their drawings into their games. I guess the games are already art. But I, I think I can sell you on their games real quick with one of their games you can play right now, Coming Out to Bob Ross Simulator. Ugh. Yes, please. It's it's a simulator in which you come out to Bob Ross as bisexual. Love that. Uh, and in fact, even that's a little bit too much of a stretch because depending on the options, you might come out as gay and then try and backpedal and say like, well, technically not not gay, but bisexual. And so here's what that means, Bob Ross. Right? Kind of depending on how the conversations go. Wow. It's uh, take you five minutes. A really interesting experience. And uh, yeah, yeah, I highly recommend their games. Um, so some gorgeous illustrations on their website. Right. Though. So are they generally like a cartoonist? Is that their like? I, their I think more, general more comic, thing? but it is kind of like cartoony style. Okay. Uh, and those are the main two sections of the website: is games and illustration. Yeah. Okay. So it's Got I don't it. know how much of it is both. But. but they do work for a game studio, uh, Filament Games. So they're associated with them. Uh, do a um, yeah, they're listed as game designer at Filament Games, which does AR and VR games. Okay. But seem. Very different than their independent games. The uh, the filament games ones seem very family friendly, very you know silly, goofy fun, and um, you know not that there's not a lot of fun in coming out to Bob Ross Simulator, and not that that's not family friendly. It is. It's just not that corporate safe that filament right, games. Yeah, of feels course. Like right. Corporate family friendly versus actual family friendly are two very different things. Yeah, I, I'd like to move to um, to rename family friendly as corporate safe. I like that. Yeah. I actually think that's great. But yeah, yeah. They've got uh, only four games so far that they've done independently um, that Chris Kindred has done independently. Uh, And one that is, it looks like it was ongoing now called Shift uh, that you can play some of, but it sounded like it was going to be expanded on. That was fun and intriguing and a little bit creepy and uh, kind of felt spooky. So maybe check that out if you're feeling spooky. Uh, Honestly, coming out to Bob Ross Simulator has its its spooky moments. Ooh, all right. I'm excited to try it out. I love Bob Ross. Who doesn't? And I love coming out. And coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, not helpful. All right. Our next game. Yep, our next game, Psychonauts the Deuce. (gasps) Finally get to play it. Oh, that's happening, is it? Uh, I'm so excited to play it. (sighs) It's happening. This doesn't even feel real. I know, I know. And I think we're going to have a side quest. I think it's happening this month, sometime in mid-November. Uh, with Branton Peterson will be joining us again to talk about sports games. Sports! Sports! There was so... a brief second where I was like, who? Brant. Okay, got it. Yeah, no. You I'm know Brant. Yeah. Brant. I'm going to say his name right. Brent <laughs> Peterson will be joining us. That's his real name. <laughs> hey, um, ben, do you want to do a side quest also on uh, the DLC for Outer Wilds? Yes, we need All to do that. Maybe I'll we'll do that uh, too. Tyler on that first time. Yeah, someone who's played that. Corey, you, you didn't play Outer Wilds, did you? I did not play Outer yeah. Wilds. All right. Well, it's too late. The ship has sailed. You can't play it anymore. No, I don't think so. Sweet. Yes, good call. We will play that. Side quests coming up. But That's Psychonauts. All we got for you this month. Psychonauts 2. It's happening. We've all it's downloaded happening. it and bought it months ago. I just Have haven't... we? Yep, everyone has. Everyone so, has purchased this. Yep. Corey's going to struggle. It's going to be great. You're going to want to listen to this awesome. episode. <laughs> There's like lots of lights and like oh boy fast movements you need to do and like coordination with all these puzzles. Great, really selling it. But she's in. It's gonna be I'm awesome. In. Yep. 
And I might try to play the VR adventure they did oh, uh, yeah. in between. Yeah. Uh, oh that. my gosh, nice. please do. Hey, maybe I'll stream it and then y'all can, can watch me play it and then uh, we'll all interact with it that way. I feel yeah. great. I, a lot of people that. don't know that's actually voice activated some of those levels. So make sure you. Oh, cool. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> make sure you're talking back. Check that out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we have any month in the news, uh, but we usually tweet that stuff as it happens too. So feel free to follow us on the Twitters at MomphPod, M O L M M P O D. You can email us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at MomphPod at gmail.com and check out our Patreon. Uh, which we will be putting more stuff up eventually and we making will. it worth your while. Uh, just like it's worth David Botluck's wild. Wild? Wild. Wild. What's happening? I wish it was worth your wild. I wish. worth your wild. Can we change it? Hey there. Mm. It's worth his wild. That's how crazy it is over there on our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash M-O-L-M-F. Check it out. As always, I have been Ben. <gasps> I will be Jason. Yep. And I'm a mighty pirate. What the right heights, Kabo? <laughs> there were no quotes in this game. I don't know. <laughs> no quotes There's... in this game. There's no quotes. I had nothing to do. You can go, hey. 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 Come on. <laughs>